A week ago, a week ago yesterday, I went to Nora Park for the ribbon-cutting ceremony of the all-inclusive playground. Um, and I realized last, uh, last service that that is a horribly pixelated um, picture, and that really bothers me. But I'm going to look at you and not look at the view. You, you look at it. <clears throat> um, anyway, huge, sprawling, vibrant, all-inclusive playground that our city came together to build uh, incredible win for our city and so excited to, to see it unfold. Back in February, you know, what was that, eight months ago, nine months ago, something like that, um, um, our new superintendent, Mr. Niedermeyer, got together all the pastors and leaders of faith-based organizations, which I think is incredible that a new superintendent, one of the first things he does is he gets together the faith communities to say, let's do things together for children. Um, so I huge, hugely applaud him for that. Uh, we, we talked about, like, what's our big thing that we're going to make a push for? And there was this new idea of this all-inclusive playground that was out there. And we were like, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's make a push in the community to raise money for that. Now, it had already started uh, through Leanne Alfario in the Brunswick school systems. And she works with a lot of special needs kids. And she painted this picture. Uh, she was there that day uh, of the children she works with that, that uh, they'll have to go and sit by the playground and watch their friends play because their bodies aren't able to join them in play on the typical playground. And it was just gut-wrenching, and, and we were like, yeah, let's, 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 we can do this. And so at the time, they were looking to raise about a hundred, these are rough numbers, but they, it was like a $400,000 goal, and they needed to raise like a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand to meet that goal. <clears throat> we was like, we can, we can, we, we, we said, we can do that. We can make that happen. <clears throat> There's plenty of resources out there. And everybody, the whole city rallied together and ended up building a $700,000 playground. Like they raised above and beyond. They had to expand the budget because so much generosity came out for this incredible cause. And that's what happens when people give generously toward things that God cares about. And we know God cares about something like that because Jesus says how we treat children is how we treat Jesus. So when, when children win, um, we win because God takes it personal, how we treat children. And so great things happen <clears throat> when we think about being extravagantly generous. Now, my, my sermon series this month, uh, I'm, I'm talking about living counterculture. Like, there's a certain way that um, most people in suburban America live. And then Jesus invites us to follow him instead of follow the crowd and live counterculture. So here's the verse that, um, uh, that, that sums up this series. And if we could have uh, plenty of light and uh, would love for you to reach in front of you in the rack in front of you if you're sitting in front of a new chair with a Bible underneath it and would love for you to follow along. Because <coughs> my hope is that anybody new to the Bible can, can kind of learn how, how it works. And so if everybody joins in, then nobody feels like they're standing out uh, if they're new to the Bible. So, so we'd love for you to, to grab a Bible and follow along. This is, this is from Matthew 16. It's on page 983. 983. And so the, just, you know, if you're starting from scratch, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're the biographies of Jesus. That's where we learn the life and teachings of Jesus. And so this comes in Matthew 983. Page 90, I'm sorry. Uh, 
page 983, it's Matthew 16, verse 24 and following. <clears throat> then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, that means like learner or follower, if you want to be a part of the Jesus movement, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, and there's a little letter there because that kind of um, points you to a, a, a footnote which says soul. Whoever wants to save their life or their soul will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So this is a big deal. Jesus is talking about forfeiting your soul or gaining life. And he says the key is, is um, um, self-denial. Uh, because typically, like the typical suburban person um, really thinks in terms of first meeting their needs and their family's needs, and then meeting their family's wants. And then if there's some left over, you might do something nice for somebody. Uh, might be generous out of your leftovers. Okay, so typical suburban family is first me, my needs, then my wants. That includes my family. Um, and then if there's leftover, it's others. But Jesus says, no, if you want to follow me, you deny yourself and you take up your cross. Now that phrase, take up your cross, remember when, it's, when Jesus said that, the cross is now a Christian symbol, Right? But it wasn't then. Nobody associated a cross with Jesus. This was, this was a, a new concept, and it was a gross concept because the cross was Roman execution and suffering and death. It was the ultimate expression of, of selflessness and humiliation and you know, no rights. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then you are laying down your rights, and it's not about your needs and your wants any longer. That's if you want to be my disciple. That's what Jesus says. And so um, what we're talking about, that, that's, that's a picture of the series. <clears throat> what we're talking about this morning really hits close to home when it comes to this. I mean, this, this stuff isn't for the faint of heart. So he talks about gaining the whole world versus laying it all down to then find our soul and give life to our soul. All right, so this morning I want to talk specifically about developing a kind of mindset that God desires for us concerning generosity. God doesn't want us to bless others the way uh, a typical worldly person might. And there are tons of scriptures about this and tons of promises. So here's the bigger thing. This is an area where God tips his hand. Um, and, and if you want to boil down like the, like to the, I don't even know how to say this. Um, I'm generally a skeptic, a bit of a cynic. I don't get caught up in a lot of the hype and a lot of the sensationalism around like Christian stuff. Like, oh, forward this. Who will copy and paste this and see God bless their, you know, the, 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 that kind of stuff is not, like, that's just not for me. I am extremely skeptical about most things. Um, and this is the age of faith. I say this all the time. This is the age of faith. There, there isn't, like God is looking to see who really believes. 
There's not a lot of evidence, like tangible, real evidence out there that the God of the Bible is the God of the universe. Like there's no statistical difference between the way God treats Christians and the way God uh, treats atheists or other people of other faiths. There's just, there, there's just not. Um, but this is one area I have seen over the, my 23 years doing this in ministry, God tips his hand. So I think it's worth talking about. All right, here's a picture of what God is looking for. And I'm just going to read this one um, for, for time's sake. Okay, this is Deuteronomy 15. It says, Give generously and do so without a grudging heart. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. So there's a promise here that says when we are generous toward people in need, when we give open-handedly toward people in need, God will bless us. And that sounds shady, doesn't it? Like, you, like, God, like that's what you say before you're about to shake people down. Um, <clears throat> I just want to talk about some mindsets and how they relate with some of the promises in Scripture. And at the end of the day, whatever you take away from this, you take away from this. And um, uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to start with, with the first mindset. And this is certainly out there in the culture around us. Um, this comes uh, from uh, the book of Haggai. Good luck finding that. I'm going to let you cheat. It's on 946, page 946. Would love you for you to turn to Haggai. <coughs> and we're going to call this the leftovers mindset. Now, Haggai is talking about the temple. And when you think about the temple in the Old Testament, I want you to think about like the South Park Mall of the 1990s, like when people used to go there. Um, and the mall was kind of a hub of life. Like any given Saturday night, it was like teeming with activity. There was a buzz about it. Like that, it was central. And, and in, a, in a, a religion culture, um, the temple really was like the hub of life. And, and well, I'll read. Here we go. This is verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses, your fancy houses, while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. So it's like your pockets have holes in it. And the idea here is there's a group of people that are giving on their leftovers. First, they're providing nice things for themselves. Their needs and their wants are, are covered first. And maybe 
They'll give a little left over, but in this case, they're not even given enough to keep God's house the center of their life um, out of disrepair. And then that trickles down to the most important. The, the, um, this was the place where, where, where the poor went to be fed. And there's not enough because people are giving first to themselves and maybe there's some leftovers. And the idea here is God saying, you know, when you do that, you're kind of like you're on your own or maybe God's hand is a little bit against you because he says, you know, you're, you don't, you eat but you're not filled. You put money in purses with holes in it. He's kind of saying things aren't going to work for you if you're going to live from a scarcity mindset like that, if you're going to live from a leftovers mindset. But so that's the first, the, the, the first mindset and it's definitely out there. It's very common. It says that your money and your stuff are yours. That's your hard-earned money. Don't give it away. Then there won't be enough for you. Handle your needs first, and then your wants. And then if you have any left over, you might want to give some to God's causes. And I'm going to leave that there, but that is the first mind. We'll get back to that in a little bit, but that's the first mindset that you might see out and about in any given household in America, in suburbia, is the leftover mindset of, for the most part, it's my hard-earned money, and I'm going to do things for me with it and my family, and then maybe, every now and then, largely just to kind of feel good about myself, I'm going to give some, and then I'm going to post on Facebook, hashtag blessed, here's me doing that thing for that person. It happens. The next mindset, and I love seeing people take a step into this mindset of, let's call it the enough mindset, is, you know, God has blessed us, and I'm going to do some things. I'm going to be generous. And I'm going to believe that if I'm generous and honor God, God's going to provide for me, right? That's a good place to live from. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 28. I'll just read this one. Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you. If you obey the Lord your God, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks and uh, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed and you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out and the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction and they'll scatter from you in seven. I love that imagery of they're going to come at you and then they're going to scatter. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. So there's this mindset that says that, man, if I'm connected with God and living according to his way and being generous and helping others that God, God's going to bless me. God's, God's got this so I can be generous and I can trust that God's going to provide enough for me. And that's an important mindset they have. Here's the way Jesus says it in Luke 6. He says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you want to know what he's talking about there, think about uh, your, your trash can. And, uh, you know, you open up the... Uh, wives don't really do this, I don't think. I think this is more of a husband thing and definitely a teenager thing. 
where you see a full trash can, but you know I can press that down a little bit, get a little more, you know, don't want to don't be wasteful. Push that down. And then your teenager, if you have teenagers, we have two teenagers, and if I asked them to take the trash out, you would think I was asking them to go walk across broken glass in a, you know, for a half a mile um, in a snowstorm. <clears throat> and they might even take it, and you'll see them and shake it, you know, shake it, and the level goes down a little bit. So it's pressed down, it's shaken together, right? That's like compacted. And what Jesus is saying, it's actually imagery from like harvesting, like you get these baskets, and if you're harvesting grain, you press it down, you shake it, and and then, you know, running over. So that's it's playful language from Jesus, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's like, God's going to return to you a good measure, like, you know, shaken together, running over. Like, Like, that's the promise, from Jesus. And there's a mindset that says, I'm going to trust God that if I'm generous with other people, um, he's going to be generous with me. Now, there's a third mindset. So there's you know, the leftover mindset of I'm going to give God what's left over. There's a few times a year that I may get that you know, extra paycheck on a month or whatever and might, might kick to a cause. And then there's, the, no, I'm going to trust God and I'm going I'm to be generous. Um, then there's this third mindset. And I promise you, like, keep an open mind to this because I've just, you know, I've, I mean, I'll talk more about this, but I've just seen it. Um, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of others. Um, but it's a big deal. Okay, so gird up your loins. We're going to take a look. And this is, this is like, this requires something um, a little extra. Start in Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, there's a lot of these promises. That's the, we'll look at a couple of them. First fruits. First fruits. It's farming language, and it means the first portion, specifically the first tenth. So the idea there is that if you bring in the first tenth to God, then he will produce a return that is significant. Now, again, this sounds shady. I know it. I can't help it. I'm just acknowledging it like elephant in the room. It sounds like I'm about to say that I believe that God wants me to have a G5 airplane, so you guys need to, st- okay, so it sounds shady, but I just, I mean, I, I just, hang with me. I have seen this, and I'm not going to go buy the Polaris Escalade. All right. First fruits means the first tenth, and in farming language, it's extra crazy because it means like your first harvest, the first portion of your which means you're really relying on God to bring in the rest. It's a big deal. Like giving first fruits, that's when you're truly just believing that God is going to respond to this because what's the rest? Is there going to be really another nine-tenths of the harvest that even comes in? Okay. 
this is giving in total trust. Let me read the next promise, and this comes from Malachi 3. Bring in the whole tithe, that's the first 10% of the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Then he says, test me in this. More on that in a minute. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruits before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Now, God says, test me in this. You know what God doesn't say? Test me in this. Like, like there's places in the Bible that say, don't put me to test. Don't test me. Here he says, test me in this. You bring in the first 10% and see what I do. <clears throat> now, the scriptures are clear that God doesn't lie and that God has to honor his truth. So the bottom line is, you can test God in this and he has to. He has to honor it. This has to work. Now, 10%. The average... American household income is like $70,700, something like that. That's the average American household income. That means that the average tithe would be over $7,000. That means that the average monthly gift would be around 590 bucks. That's a lot of money. You can lease an entry-level Mercedes-Benz for that. That's significant. So I'm not saying this, not knowing that. I mean, most people and most families at Polaris don't have an extra 10% sitting around. Like, this is a huge trust thing if you want to take God up on his promise and test him. And again, like, I don't I, I don't care if you do. Like I, like I do, I want you to do things that are healthy spiritually for you. So I hope you'll see how God responds to this, but it's not like I'm like looking at you like, oh, I see them driving that, whatever they're driving, and I see what they're giving, and they're not. Like I'm, I'm not, like, like I'm not, I don't think any less of anybody for not. This is a big deal. But I want you to know that this is out here and that this just, Here's how Paul says it in, in 2 Corinthians 9. This kind of stuff is just, it's all over the Bible. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The idea here is that when we're generous, God will entrust us with more. When we trust God, and give up front. God will entrust us with more. Sounds shady. I get it. I just see it again and again and again. I have found this to be absolutely true every time. And like I said, this is the only thing I can point to where God tips his hand. I, I just, I can, I used to hate talking about money and talking about giving and talking about generosity. But this is one where, and I don't know what, God, what cause God might call you to. That's between you and him. But I can absolutely tell you that when you trust God 
with that 10% thing, it just, you'll just, you'll just see. He, he just, it, so, um, so there's leftover <clears throat> giving. Like if I have some leftover, I'll, and then there's, um, then there's, you know, enough giving. Like, oh, God's, God's going to give me enough. I can, I can give some, I can be generous, and, and, and God's going to respond. He, he's going to make sure we have enough. He's going to provide. But then there's this first fruits giving, which is just next level. But with that next level trust um, comes next level response to God, and that's the, that's the only thing that I can call it. So, so you know, examples, um, and I, you know, um, I've said this over the years, but like for my wife and I, um, we have always tested God with this. And this isn't to say, you know, look at us. It's just part of it is a little easier because we did it from up front. So we, we never, you know, we started back when we thought $30,000 was an unspendable amount of money. Um, makes it a little bit easier. But over the years, there were times, especially in our early marriage, where, where we, <clears throat> we didn't have a lot. And uh, <clears throat> things would happen, and, 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 and we would you know, continue to trust with that 10% or more. <clears throat> and and it, it almost got silly where <clears throat> we would, um, something would come up, and because we tithe we didn't know how we were going to afford it and there were times where things would come in like to to the dollar like just silly like to the dollar we'd get some refund check or or some gift or or kelly would get a raise that matched some kind of a uh in 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 time after time over the years People will hear me say this, because this isn't the first time I've talked about this, and they'll just come up and say, man, I started to try that, and then this thing happened. And it's like, do you think it's coincidence? I'm like, well, I would, because I'm a skeptic, but the problem is, over the years, there's just been too many coincidences. And it all centers around this. So, so just two weeks ago, I had a, a friend of mine, close friend of mine, he has a an online business, and he came over and he just kind of was near me, like he had something to tell me but didn't. And finally he's like, okay, you know that thing you always say about tithing and how God does stuff after you start tithing? I'm like, yeah. Well, I finally started, and like a week later, my online business just blew up in a good way. And then he showed me the graph and how you could see there was just this spot where it just soared. And he's like, do you think that was from me giving? And, and, and I just said, I, it's an uncontrolled experiment, right? But I can tell you that over the years, that's not, this is just what happens. People test people given faith that significant 10% or more <clears throat> and it just God responds because he has to because God can't lie if God's not trustworthy the universe ain't gonna work 
And so, and, 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 and the same with, with like Polaris. Back in 2009 when Polaris was a, like a train wreck. And we just decided, you know what, we're just going to trust God with this and we need to become an outward focused church and we're just going to give. The problem with that decision is we didn't have anything to give. <clears throat> so we just started to give what we didn't have. The way Gene Smith said, um, you know, it's like we're giving, hoping that the checks cross in the mail. And they did. We just gave, and then we would give bigger gifts, and more would come in, and we'd give bigger gifts, and more would come in. And we've just seen that, where we just, we, we just give, and more comes in. And, and, and God just... So, so I say that again. I, you know, I can be done. I, I guess I just... I, I, I know it's shady. I know it's what every TV preacher uses to try to take their dishonest money out of people and buy their, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's a promise from the scriptures, and I have just seen it and had so many people say, you know what really amped up my walk with Jesus was actually... It's, so, it, so it's like in, in, in closeness and felt closeness and real tangible blessings. I've just seen it too often and not talk about it. And so that's out there. And if you want to try it, try it. And if you don't, I don't think any less of you. This is like real faith stuff. And I probably now at this point, I'm rambling. I hope you'll try it because it's incredible. I want you to know that it's there. I want you to know it's a thing. I want you to know that I've seen it over the years in the lives of a lot of people, in my own life, in the life of a church. It's just true. Take it or leave it. All right. We're going to do one last song. And this is the song that we've been closing out the service with um, this month. And um, the idea is we're talking about how to make Jesus the Lord and King of your life. And... um, this is one of those areas today where it doesn't get much more real. Uh, so during this song, uh, I'd love for you to take in the words and, and just reflect on um, what are the areas in my life that I have to hand over to Jesus to make him Lord of my life. And then I'm going to come back up and we'll close with communion.